welcome back to the Red Fern Book Review. I am your host, Amy Mayer, and today we're going to look at the world of fine art. I came up with the idea for this podcast after watching a quirky and compelling documentary on Apple TV called My Rembrandt. So I wanted to take a look at that, and then I wanted to take a look at three novels that I've read in recent years that have fine art as their focus. And finally, I wanted to conclude with a national story about a piece of fine art from the Art Gallery of Ontario that has, there's a dispute over who owns it. So to get us started, I wanted to just mention the reason why I, I really was drawn to this documentary and why I enjoy art history. I studied it in school, and I find it such a fascinating way to remember history. So if you take a history course and you read a book or you listen to a lecture, I find it you're not going to remember necessarily that much about it. But when someone flashes a painting in front of your face and it's, you know, it's a dark room and you've got someone talking to you about it, you can sometimes you get transported back, you can you can see you know, learn more about people's motivations. You can see what they were wearing. Um, you learn about religion, traditions. And I find that I retain much more of that information. I also find it, I mean, it's, it's, there's, it's often intriguing, like how people came to own the art, what's happened with the art. We're going to get in that a little bit more. And, you know, I've come to find out often there's, it involves. It can involve criminal activity. Um, there's, of course, glamour. It, it involves a lot of different things. So this particular documentary that I really liked, it starts out, um, it focuses, the main character it focuses on is a guy named Jan Six. That's his name. And his, he's got a, a number after his name. His name is Six, S-I-X. But the number after his name is the 11th. And that is because he is from an aristocratic family in the Netherlands. And he is the 11th Jan the Sixth. And every time there is a firstborn son, they, have, they carry that name. And he comes from a long lineage of... Um, a, a family that has collected art for generations. And the first Jan VI was a contemporary and friend of Rembrandt. So this guy uh, believes he has found the first Rembrandt in over 40 years. And so that is really the focus of this documentary. And interwoven throughout is a cast of characters of collectors, restoration experts, um, billionaires, would-be art dealers, and just other people that also collect Rembrandt and, and their interest in him. But this guy, I found him really interesting. He He's... In his early 40s, he's tall and thin, he wears a suit, which seems a bit kind of formal for this day and age. And you can see he's got this kind of floppy mop of hair, and he, he looks like he probably went to Eton, I would say. But he he comes from this aristocratic family. He grew up in this house. It's a 54-room house on one of the canals in downtown Amsterdam. And you, in this documentary, you get to go through the house. And so I found that really cool because 
you, you apparently it's a museum and you can make appointments to try and get in there, but you know, it's not easy to get access. So I really enjoyed like you, they show it's like these kind of rabbit worn of hallways and paintings everywhere. It's apparently there's like 270 paintings and they're, they're everywhere. I don't know, maybe some are in storage and it's kind of curtains and overstuffed with memorabilia. And so it really, it, it looks like quite a time capsule. And he actually grew up in this house. Apparently the living quarters were a bit separated from this, but this was his home that he interacted every day. And one of the things I kept thinking is, oh my God, I, I had, I raised two boys. I can't even imagine to have them among, you know, Titian's, Halls, Rubens, Tintorettos, and Rembrandts in the house. I mean, that just would not have ended well. But anyway, he grew up, there's actually, it's one of Rembrandt's most famous portraits. It's called Portrait of Jan Six, and that actually hangs in that particular home. But the intrigue in this documentary, which is interesting, is basically the guy was flipping through a Christie's art catalog one day, and he believes he saw what he believes is a Rembrandt. And in this catalog, it's attributed to circle of Rembrandt and isn't selling for very much money. Now, when I say not very much money, you know, I think it's a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, but so then the story is about what happens. He actually goes on to buy this painting and how he goes about that. He has to be quite secretive because he can't let people know. So otherwise that would um, maybe, you know, Christie's will take it off the market or there'll be competing buyers. And so it's what happens along those lines. And I've got a really great article from the New York Times Magazine that I'm going to link in the bio if you want to do a deep dive into to what happened there. But the other part of this um, documentary that I really liked is it looks at these other people, and including this guy, he's a duke from Scotland, and he's called the Duke of Buccleuch, and he has um, a guy from an advisor from a museum in Amsterdam come help him rehang the painting, and that he, a Rembrandt that he has, and it's called Old Woman Reading, and it's a very famous painting, um, and it's got, it's, it's beautiful, it's this older woman, and she's crouched over looking down at um, a book, and she's backlit, as you often see in Rembrandt paintings, and you just, she's got this cape over her head to dramatic effect, and it's quite something, and you know, just getting to see this guy's grounds. He has, he lives on 280 acres and he's just so obsessive about this painting, as is everyone in this documentary. And what I also found really interesting is when these people talk about Rembrandt, they call them, they'll say their painting, they'll say him or her, like it's a person. So I just thought that was kind of, kind of crazy. So that's that. And I would check that out. And then I wanted to look at three novels that had um, art history as their focus. And the first one I wanted to mention is called An Object of Beauty by Steve Martin, and it was published in 2010. And you may not know, you may or may not know that Steve Martin is an author, and he's actually a really strong writer. And this particular book, it was set in New York and it's about a young woman named Lacey Yeager and her climb up the rank of the art auction house Sotheby's and then beyond. She goes on to um, do things in the art world beyond the auction house. And it's about the inner workings of the high-end art world. 
And while I'm mentioning this book, this book is good, but he actually, he's a great writer and two books that I enjoy even more. Um, he wrote, Steve Martin wrote a book called Born Standing Up, and it's a memoir about his life, just up until the point that he becomes insanely, insanely famous with, um, uh, at his time on Saturday Night Live and through his stand-up comedy. And then Shop Girl, and that's a novella and that he also wrote, and it's extremely good. And it's about a bored sales girl in L.A., a wealthy businessman, and an aimlessly aimless young musician and their love triangle. And this, this was made, actually made into a movie with Steve Martin and Claire Danes. And the, the next book I wanted to mention is The Goldfinch with Donna Tartt, and that was published in 2013. Most of you will probably have heard of this book, if not read it. It's, it's won the Pulitzer Prize. And if you're looking for a book that's just really involved, it's long, and it travels through different time periods and throughout different countries and goes from New York to L.A., th- this, is a, this is the book for you. And what it's about, it's about a 13-year-old boy named Theodore Decker who survives a terrorist bombing in an art museum. And he's with his mother at the time, and his mother is killed. So while there's a wreckage and rubble around him, um, he steals a small Dutch, Dutch Golden Age painting called the Goldfinch. It's a small painting, and he just takes it with him. And it's about what happens from there on out. And he... Um, it's actually a real painting. Um, but what I found really interesting about this book, and I didn't know that much about it until I, I read it, was that if you think about it, fine art, um, if it's stolen, there's not much you can do with it. You certainly can't resell it. And so it is either going to be whisked away and taken to somebody's bunker and their private secret um, you know, gallery somewhere, or it's going to be used as collateral for criminals and drug dealers. So, and that's how it's used in this book. And so, I found that really interesting. Is it sort? Of, it takes this middle place. So, it's often used kind of in the shadows. And I found that really interesting. And that that movie or that book was made into a movie with Nicole Kidman, and that was released in 2019. And the last book I wanted to mention um, is a really, it's a book that I, I think you probably have not heard of, and I wanted to recommend it. And this, I think, would be a great book club book. And it's called The Art Forger by Barbara Shapiro, and it was published in 2012. And it's a novel based on the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist. And so I've always been kind of fascinated with that um, theft, and it's it's historical fiction around that. So... If you don't know about that theft, um, it is. it took place in 1990. I've actually been to the museum. I went there in the 80s before the works were stolen. And what it was, um, Isabella Stewart Gardner was um, a wealthy woman and an art philanthropist in the city of Boston. And in 1903, she opened this elaborate... Um, museum slash home, and it was um, based on a Venetian palazzo. So it's got inner courtyards and fountains and statues, and it looks like a a mini Italian palace and um, great landscaping. 
And it's filled with um, all kinds of artwork, like just Degas, Vermeers, Rembrandt's, all kinds of stuff. And what's really neat when you go in it is it, it seems like you're in someone's home. I mean, someone's elaborate home, but, you know, it, it doesn't seem like a, a, it's not your typical art gallery. And one little caveat, when she died, she made, um, she put into her will that nothing could be moved. None of the artwork could be moved. So that, that um, brings us to the, the art theft. And so what happened in 1990, two men dressed as police officers came in the middle of the night and they took 13 works from the museum including Rembrandt's only recorded seascape. And it, it, that is, um, art theft has never been solved. There's all kinds of theories. For a long time, people thought it was the guard. He was new. And, uh, but apparently, I don't think he did do it. Um, and there's a lot of different theories. They think it had to do with... Um, the underworld, the criminal underworld world, and that the that two men who did it may have actually since passed away. But the works have never been recovered. And apparently what they've done now is they've left the... Um, when you steal art, you typically slash the art directly from the frames and you leave the frame. And so the frames are hanging in place and the idea is that they're hanging empty, waiting to be returned. So that's kind of... That's kind of mysterious. But so this book, um, I really enjoyed it. And what it is, it's about um, a struggling artist. Her name is Claire Roth, and she's about 30 years old. And in order to make a living, she makes reproductions of artwork. But she tells herself that she's not making forgeries, that she's making reproductions. And then one day, uh, a man comes to her and asks her, for, uh, to make a special um, a copy of a painting. And the copy is looks incredibly similar to a piece of work that she knows has been stolen from the Gardner Museum. And so then he, he says there can be no questions asked. And in addition to the painting, he pays her well. He gives her some other things as well. And so she has to make this decision. And so that's what this is about, is whether she will uh, paint this painting or not. And then interwoven, um, there's some different um, uh, imagined letters between Isabella Gardner and her niece. And then I wanted to conclude, just as I was watching my Rembrandt, it was interesting, a, um, there's a, art, a piece of art at the Art Gallery of Ontario, and it's called Still Life with Flowers by Jan van Kessel. And it's a Flemish um, Flemish master that painted it in the 17th century. And it's a, it's a traditional still life, as you can imagine, um, with kind of bright colors, it's dark lit from the back, um, lots of different types of, you know, it looks like a, an arrangement that it's actually quite in style now for people to, to buy these kinds of arrangements. They're sort of um, lopsided and they're not, they're not even and they kind of splay out beyond the vase. But anyway, what happened was um, a family in Europe 
made um, a claim that this is actually part of art that was stolen from a Jewish family and taken by the Nazis or sold at a, a very low um, low price. And then meanwhile, another family, another competing family is also, they're not laying claims specifically. These two families had connections in Europe, but they're saying they would like more details that in fact, this may not belong to this one family. It might belong to them. So that's been brought up in in the news recently. And it just kind of brought home that whole idea that there is you know, behind the beauty, there's also sometimes intrigue and, and bad things happen that are brought to the art world. So that's all I have to say today. And I wanted to thank you so much for joining me. And I will be including everything that I've talked about today in the show notes. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much.